Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On Thursday... I dragged me and all those voices into my therapist's office. I told her, I don't think I'm suicidal. I just don't want to live anymore. Breathing can become so redundant after a while. Summer of 2018, I finally started going to therapy. My ex thought it would be a good idea. And I had thought about it before, for a while actually. But for the most part, figured that therapy was for people who really had it bad. But I went... I went and after a few sessions and questionnaires or whatnot, my therapist said she believes I'm severely depressed, possibly to the point that I should consider seeking clinical help and she could refer me to someone. I never wanted to label myself depressed. Because I felt like it was too strong of a word to describe being sad. But as I began to become more aware of the state of my mind, I began to realize I wasn't really sad. Like I would talk to my friends and I would explain certain thoughts that I have. And I just thought they were normal thoughts until I started telling my friends what they were and they were like nah it's not normal (laughs) and then I'd tell my therapist and she'd be like yeah it's definitely not normal (laughs) Um, so I began to realize I wasn't really sad yeah there were a lot of moments of sadness but there was something in me that the sadness was inspired by a muse that gave the sadness a reason to create the clouds that it did Even in the happiness, even in the happy days, there was something lurking. I think of it like the beginning of a scary movie. You know, the movie creators are setting you up for something, right? They're setting you up. A a group of attractive, laughing college students head out to make senior year memories at a 
cabin rental in the woods, right? And when they arrive, everyone is lighthearted and jokey and someone suggests, hey, let's let's go out to that beautiful hot tub in the back, right? And they're like, yeah, let's go, yeah. High fives everywhere and stuff. And they all head out. And then Laura's like, oh, hey, guys, I'll, I'll be right out. I, I left something in the room. And she steps out of the scene as the camera slowly pans away to a mysterious smoke coming through the vents. And creepy music starts softly playing, right? Now, of course, you don't find out what that smoke is for like another 30 minutes into the movie. But the whole time, you know that as they are laughing and enjoying their trip, something is waiting in the background. That's what depression felt like for me. Even in my laughter and vacations with friends, I knew that a heaviness waited for me. Even if depression and I were separated for a while, we were still in a relationship. It waited for me like a forgiving lover, always willing to work things out so we could be together. One Thursday afternoon, it finally grew tired of me spending so much time with happiness and contentment. It wanted me to be alone in a room so it could plead its case with me. And I remember sitting on my bed, thinking to myself, I don't want to live anymore. And that hit me so hard because in the past, when that thought has come, I always dismissed it as me being overdramatic and just, you're just really sad today. But in that moment, I knew I wasn't simply being sad. I wasn't being overdramatic. I genuinely did not want to live. And that scared me. What's going on, family? My name is Joseph Solomon. I'm a singer, songwriter, poet, spoken word artist, YouTuber, lifelong student, ever doubtful Christian, frequent flyer. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at What Is Joe Doing? Welcome to the third flight of the Flights and Feelings podcast, season one, where we thoughtfully and vulnerably travel through faith, relationships, sexuality, science, health, and culture via storytelling, poetry, and conversation. A couple of flight announcements. First off, I just dropped a new music single titled Gold, and it is available for purchase and streaming everywhere you listen to music. 
This song is the anthem for the 2020 year. Anybody who has ever struggled or is struggling with depression or whatever your fire has been, let this song be a background track, a soundtrack, an anthem, an encouragement for you uh, as it has been to me. Secondly, I'm, I'm headed out on tour starting March 13th doing some music and poetry, introducing a lot of new music as well as the EP is is scheduled to be released very soon before the tour. And tickets are available at josephsolomonlive.com. So even though this podcast has flights in the title, you should know that it's technically not a travel show. However, in each episode, I will share travel stories and even travel tips. And the travel tips are not always crazy, extraordinary. They're just little things I've learned along the way to make my adventures more convenient, affordable, and enjoyable. So today's flight tip is stop booking through online travel agencies. You, you know what I'm talking about. Expedia, Travelocity, Priceline, whatever the the thing is now. I don't know which ones of them still exist because I don't buy from them anymore. I've personally never found them to be actually cheaper In fact, they can tack on extra hidden fees and it's sometimes harder to make changes or work with the airline that you book through if you booked it through a travel site. The one thing they are good for is comparing flight cost, though Google does that too. So I would suggest if you want to use it for price matching, then fine. Go, Go to those websites, compare the prices amongst, you know, multiple airlines so you can see it all in front of you. And when you found which airline you want to book through, go directly to that airline website and book through them. Bottom line is do not purchase tickets from these sites. 9.5 times out of 10. I'm pretty sure there's some situation somebody could say this is where it's better. 9.5 times out of 10, they're actually not finding you a deal. So book directly through the website. And that is today's flight tip. Today, we're going to talk about depression, Um, but in a way that I hope is not simply venting, but helpful to those who may be going through depression, have gone through depression or have friends or family. I hope that this is a resource to any of you. Depression within teens and young adults have been on a steep upward climb for a while now there's many different reasons and speculations and studies behind why that is not going to focus on that today that's just the stats right now from many different sources and that's been a popular discussion in many different circles this this talk about depression right now the question could be is depression actually rising in our population or are more people simply more comfortable with speaking about it these days or a less scholarly statistical way to ask it is has depression simply become popularized and trendy and i think the answer to all of those questions is yes yes depression is actually rising along with anxiety and and people are becoming more comfortable with speaking about 
actual depression. And yet depression does seem to be a very trendy wave to speak about. The American Psychiatric Association, which, by the way, I just found out like probably like a year ago that that's actually where we get APA style writing from. I didn't know that this whole time I thought APA was some sort of like, I don't know, writing organization, but it's actually psychiatric association. The APA defines depression or major depressive disorder pretty broadly. It's a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think and how you act. Fortunately, it is also treatable. Depression causes feelings of sadness and or loss of interest in activities once enjoyed. It can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems and can decrease a person's ability to function at work and at home. Depression symptoms can vary from mild to severe, and they include feeling sad or having a depressed mood, loss of interest or pleasure in activities once enjoyed, changes in appetite, weight loss or weight gain unrelated to dieting, trouble sleeping or sleeping too much, loss of energy or increased fatigue, increase in purposeless physical activity such as hand wringing or pacing or slowed movements and speeches. And this will be observed by other people. Feeling worthless or guilty. Difficulty thinking, concentrating or making decisions. And then lastly, thoughts of death or suicide. And literally, almost all of that sounded like me. I was like that for years. So today we're going to talk about that, talk about my experience. And hopefully my experience is helpful to others to relate to and also pull some practical tools from. I don't have a guest today on this podcast, but I will be interviewing myself. Let's do it that way. I will be asking myself questions. So this should be interesting. (laughs) So Joe, yeah. When did you start experiencing depression? The first time I I experienced, I'll just take it to the first time I experienced suicidal thinking. That's where I can track it most easily to, though it's possibly started before that. But the first time I experienced suicidal thinking or ideation was back in like 2017. I'm sorry, 2007. And that's the first time I started noticing how often my thoughts about death and and darkness came up was around 2007. And that went on for a while. I had these seasons. I I noticed for me, I, I started Googling this too, like wondering whether or not my depression was linked to the weather. I noticed that when winter came around, I was more susceptible to those kind of dark moods and when summer came around it wasn't as bad it just seemed like the winter time was where it got really frequent where i just i felt this this heaviness yeah my my mood tended to go with the season 
And that went back and forth for, you know, a few years. I would have these months of just, yeah, I'm good. And then eventually I would have months of like, nah, I'm not so good. And it kind of went with the seasons. But then eventually it began, began to be more of a, not necessarily a year-round thing as if I was experiencing it every day and every week, but it definitely definitely wasn't constrained to winter. It just kind of like, it could just happen whenever now. And I think the pinnacle of it, really, I know we're talking about, you know, when did I start experiencing it? I'm just trying to give a, a timeline. The pinnacle of it was this, this summer of 2018. I had not had suicidal thoughts for... Probably a, a couple of years, maybe that, that that super sort of very deep depression. I had not felt that in a while. For the most part, I felt a bit happier. I felt a little bit more lighthearted. I felt motivated to work and all of that stuff. 2018 was the first time in a while that that, that suicidal thought came back around. I felt like all the time that I was sort of dancing around depression, the times that I did have happiness, I felt like the depression was always there, ready to come out the background. That's what it really became. So even those seasons where I wasn't experiencing, the weeks that I wasn't experiencing it, it was almost as if it was hanging out in the background, just just being ready to be called upon. You know, it's got their hand raised, like this kid in class, who's got their hand raised and the teacher just keeps calling on everybody else. Okay, happiness, uh, what do you have to say? And then happiness answers the question. Okay, contentment, what do you have to say? And then, you know, contentment, you know, answers the question or whatever. She goes around the room calling on all these different emotions. And depression is just in the back row with his hand raised up really, really high. Like, please just call on me. And everyone senses him in the room, but he has not spoken yet. And so I felt like 2018 was when depression finally had his chance to answer a question. Mm, so did you, it, it went on for so long. It seems like, you know, starting back in 2017, all the way up to 2018, really. Um, did it feel like you would ever get away from it? Did it feel like this was a, a thing that would just be like, did you start to accept that this was just part of who you are and what your life would be? Yeah. Yeah. I, for a long time, I felt like, yeah, this, this is just it. This is my burden that I'm going to carry that I'm just going to go through life depressed. I really didn't see a hope of, having a different experience, a different approach, a different perspective on life. I just kind of felt like at first I thought it was just a season, just a moment. Maybe it was just sort of triggered by an event that may have happened and then, you know, it'll go away. But eventually it was like, no, Joe, this seems to be pretty much a pattern. I felt like that was a part of who I was. I really didn't see a way of me getting away from that. No. Did your friends and family notice? Did you tell them? Did they, could they tell on their own? Yeah, man. You know, what was really interesting, I think when I realized just how different I had become was two instances. 
one, with my family, I would go home to visit during Christmas or or summertime vacation or whatever it may be. And like I used to be the life of the house. I used to be very, very goofy, very I was always wanting to make people laugh. I've just been I was the class clown, right? And I was the family clown. Like, I loved making my family laugh. My dad liked making my family laugh. And I was right behind him. Like, eventually, I felt like more than my dad, I began to make the family laugh and entertain them. And then I became very serious. Like, I've always been a a, a laugh, like a jokey person and serious. That's always been me. Like, think very deeply about things, but also be very, very lighthearted. There came a time where they were noticing that this, it was only the serious Joe. There was not really in lightheartedness. It was just very heavy. My, my family didn't notice it. Another way that I noticed something was different about me, I remember I told a friend of mine that I used to do stand-up comedy. I used to do stand-up comedy uh, a while ago. I did it for a couple of years. Um, it was a yeah, it was a really cool season in my life. I love making people laugh and I love the art and the science of trying to construct a a joke and construct a uh, a set and time it and, and just uh, yeah, it's just comedy is an art, man. I I love it. And I used to do stand-up comedy and I remember I told somebody that and they kind of laughed at me. It used to be when I told people I do stand-up comedy, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that that definitely makes sense now. I can see you doing that. But when I told them at that moment that I used to do stand-up comedy, they were like, I could never imagine it. I was like, why not? I was like, because you're not funny. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> it like kind of hurt my feelings because, again, I saw that as part of my personality of who I am is funny i'm a comedian i make people laugh uh i'm witty and i'm I'm lighthearted and i'm yeah that i i was always known as that through high school anybody who knew me in high school you would know like that's me like joe is the guy who makes people laugh and so for someone to say i just cannot see that was a real eye-opener to me like man something's different something has changed and i didn't realize that it changed So you said that you never wanted to label yourself as depressed, even though you were possibly suspicious that you were. So how did you feel when the therapist said she told you that she thinks you're extremely depressed? Did did that make you more depressed? Ironically, it made me kind of happy because... Someone outside of myself labeled it and it sort of gave me a place to start. You know, I think of it like a physical health problem. You know, yeah, it may be bad news that if you go into the you go to the doctor, you say you've been feeling some pain in your your chest or something for a long time and you have no idea what it is and you you've been on WebMD and you've been <laughs> diagnosing yourself all all day you know and then you finally go to the doctor and the doctor makes a diagnosis 
And I feel like there could be a bittersweet moment in that. The, 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 the bitter part of it is obviously something's wrong with you. But you've always known something was wrong with you. But at least now the doctor can say, here's what's wrong with you, which means that if you can label something, then you can address it. And, and if you can address something, that kind of gives hope that, okay, there's someone outside of myself who has experience with this that can help me. It was low-key encouraging, especially even when she said I could be clinically depressed. You know, I never went that route. I strongly considered it. She was talking about possibly medication and stuff like that. And, you know, I conferred some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Referred to some friends of mine, some who had experience with medication, some who had friends who had experience with medication and so forth. And, you know, I try to get some wisdom on that and like, should I go do this? And I was like, no, I think you should sort of wait this thing out for a bit and just see how the therapy goes and stuff before you start putting stuff in your body that can make things either worse or just kind or give you a new problem. So I was a bit hesitant about that, but either way, it kind of just made me a little happy that like, all right, maybe there's hope for me because up until this point, Whatever was wrong with me, I felt like would always be wrong with me. So at what point around what time do you feel like you began to come away from that space of depression Yeah, that's tricky because, you know, there has been time, like I said before, there's been times where I would come out of that season, right? And then I would kind of go back into it. Um, And I think it wasn't until sometime last year that I finally felt more capable of, one, addressing what it was and then um, practical ways to, you know, fight against it. I was at this this event, this sort of, uh, I don't know what to describe it as, uh, sort of some brothers getting around together, some men who just, you know, talking about affections and, 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 and depression and mental health and hope and love and all that stuff. And just overall, like good spiritual and mental health. And I remember telling my friend swoop who actually made the, the beat for the, he made the music for gold and, we were going around saying, what are you most excited for in 2020? And I told him, I said, man, I feel like for this decade, this might be the first decade in my in my adult life that I won't go through long periods of depression. Like, I'm really hopeful about that. You know, I, I finally feel equipped, like I feel more aware of it, you know. It's one thing when, say, there's a, a particular physical problem that you, I keep referring to this because it's a little easier to understand that way. I've had tendonitis in my my knee, my my left knee, just kind of like it's always like been bugging me for a while, and it's really hindered me from playing basketball. And so I kind of at some point felt like, man, I think I mean in my like mid twenties, I felt like I was done playing basketball because of this tendonitis and. As I started doing more research, it was like, oh, okay, so this tendonitis or this knee problem, it may not go away altogether. It could, I don't know. But either way, now that I've done a lot more studying around it, I feel much more hopeful about combating it. You know what I'm saying? And so I felt the same way about depression. Like, 
even though I've gone through this before and it's gone away, come back, just like tonight, it kind of goes away, comes back. I'm now aware of what triggers it and how to fight against it. All right, so next question would be this. What are some things that your friends and family did that were helpful or unhelpful in your seasons of depression? Well, I'm actually thankful that I'm not saying my friends and family are perfect, but they did a lot of looking back. They did a lot of things right. And so I guess in doing their things right, I can maybe talk about the things that some people can do wrong. So the things they did right and were helpful. One is just being there for somebody, yo. Like, I think so many times when people bring us their problems, we're ready to try to offer advice or some kind of answer. And the reality is you probably don't know, especially if you've never been depressed. You probably don't know the answer. If you've never been around somebody who's who's been in that space before, you, you may not know and you're trying to figure out answers and you're trying to just tell people, you know, just be happy or whatever it may be. And you try to offer these sort of quick pat answers that seem suitable for you, that seem effective in your mind but to them it's like no that doesn't that doesn't give my problem justice it doesn't it doesn't validate how i really feel by you sort of dismissing it with these very very easy simple answers or advice right so a lot of my friends and family were giving advice and stuff but it was less advice and more just presence man and i remember i I stayed with this couple um beautiful people man Jonathan and Andrea and in that summer that I was traveling a lot and the travel was definitely adding to my depression being disjointed from my community in Atlanta I was traveling so much and going through such a bad season and one of the biggest one of the best things that made me happy in that season I came home one time in my room again they they own this house and I came into my room and there were balloons in the corner that said welcome home after I had been traveling for like weeks man and that that just meant a lot man that somebody wanted me around and they were happy that I was there and that that little gesture did so much in that season again it's not an answer it's not advice it was just it was presence man and so just being there being around um Weep with those who weep. My friend Natalie, um, she cried with me. She sat and like literally cried with me, which I wish more dudes would do with other dudes. I feel like that's the beauty of having, you know, um, opposite sex friendships is because men and women tend to love differently. And so one of the beauties of women is that they tend to be a bit more empathetic than men. And so if you like, go through some stuff with a man like he'll be there for you he's not gonna cry with you but it's a beautiful thing when someone sheds tears as you're shedding tears it just adds more to the validation of like okay what i'm going through is is real and someone else is acknowledging that that this is not just you know trivial right to you know to people around me so that was really big of people just being there for me. 
All right. So what are some practical tools that you've used? We're, we're going to get to the practical side now. What are some practical tools that you've used or are still using to combat against depression? Can can you choose to simply be not depressed? Okay, that's like a twofold question. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no, you can choose to not be depressed. I say yes and no for this reason. One, there's so many different reasons why someone could be going through depression, whether it be, you know, uh, external situations that are happening. Uh, it could be lack of rest and lack of nutritional, a good nutritional diet. Uh, there's so many factors in that. It could be um, things that are actually happening in the brain, some things that should not be happening in the brain that you need to seek professional help for, like. There's so many different factors in that And I'm not the one to diagnose all of that I'm just saying I know that Depression is not one fold right? So even if it is a, a thing that's happening in the brain It could be that plus nutrition Plus spiritual warfare Plus um, you know, diet and, and what, Or situations that are happening around you right? So there's many different reasons And at the same time I say Yes it's possible to choose but not simply in the sense of like a light switch on, light switch off. It takes practical. So kind of going to your first question, it takes practical steps to really combat against it and to be aware of it on a regular basis, knowing that you are possibly predisposed to being depressed, like your sort of makeup of who you are or the makeup of your life or what your life has been, what you've gone through could be, you know, you've seen a lot of death, you've seen a lot of problems, whatever, uh, dysfunction in your family and your friends and so forth. It, those all could predispose you to being depressed. So you just got to be aware of that just off the top. But that's not to say that you are somehow hopeless, like there's no answers to that. And so the things that have really helped me in short, um, I guess the top four things for me, are therapy, community, meditation, and faith. And I can even almost wrap up therapy and community in like one answer because I don't think that everyone needs to go to therapy. I know that that's the big thing now is like, yeah, make therapy okay for black people, especially like that's the conversation within black, but even just in the church, like make it okay to go to therapy. And I'm all for that. Like don't stigmatize therapy. Um, I think a lot more people should consider therapy than than have in the past, right? But that's not to say that therapy is somehow the the magic bullet to you somehow becoming mentally healthy. Uh, a lot of times some people, including myself, I felt like I felt the need to go to therapy in some ways because I was lacking something in a different space of my life. So there are therapists who can really kind of help you with um, some behavioral homework or whatever to really attack some of the habits and stuff you may have. Um, and my therapist was super helpful as well. But I think a lot of it too, like a lot of my sessions sometimes just turn into me like venting, right? And it maybe you just need people who want to listen to you and you ain't got to pay them $85 an hour to do it. <laughs> you know, like just good community. So again, I'm, I'm somewhere down the middle. I've said that in, in one of the, like the trailer for this. I, look for ways to celebrate and challenge popular views in the culture. So on one side, I want to celebrate like, yes, please. Like let's talk about 
mental health more. Let's talk about therapy more. Like, let's get in that conversation. And at the same time, also saying like, hey, like, don't think that therapy in and of itself is somehow your magic bullet and that everyone needs to somehow, you know, be locked into therapy. Like, I just think there needs to be more conversations that include mental health experts as well. Like there's so many people talking about mental health, including myself, and they're not necessarily experts in like how to combat against it. So include more people in that. Um, yeah. So therapy and community, I feel like can be lumped up together in some ways. Um, and I say community in the sense of people who truly care for you, that you're locked in with on a regular basis, um, that you can share your struggles with. We are not meant to go through this, life alone and the more you isolate yourself the more difficult it is to be aware of yourself you know how things are causing you to be depressed like what are your triggers and stuff like that you're not able to bounce that stuff off of other people Uh, and then just the idea of venting in general just knowing that someone else knows what you're going through that is needed. You just need good friends who are willing to listen to you. And we need to be good friends that learn to listen. I've got to do better at it. We so many times talk about, we, some, I've heard people often say, I want to be a better communicator. And oftentimes we think of that as, I want to be a better speaker. But communication, as we know, is, is, a, is a two-way street. And so to communicate better also includes to be a better listener. And we just need to listen more, myself included to listen to people's problems and just be there for them to bear their burdens. That's what we're just called. We're called to bear one another's burdens. So, yeah. Another thing that has really helped me has been meditation. And I know that's a, some like a weird word for some people, uh, but it's not a no, no loopy new age stuff. It's like just mindfulness. You know, I've taken more time in the mornings to sit and be still and become aware of my thoughts. So many times we become depressed or anxious because we're letting our minds do whatever the heck it wants. And we don't even realize it's doing it. We just realize somehow I became depressed today. And I don't even remember where that started. I felt that like there's been so many days where I'm like, man, I was happy yesterday. Why am I depressed right now? I don't know why. And mindfulness makes you more aware of what you're thinking and um, you know, what, is happening around you that may be triggering the way that you feel. So it's becoming aware of those thoughts. And so in the morning, just taking time to sit and breathe and be aware of the thoughts that come and go in your mind. Um, questioning myself, I sit and like just kind of ask myself questions and answer them. And I try to get down to the root of it. Like, why are you feeling this way? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, let's backtrack. When were you not feeling this way? Well, about seven hours ago, I was fine and something happened. I don't know. Okay, let's go through this. Let's, let's think through what we were experiencing today and see if we can nail this thing down. So I can go into more detail in, in another episode. We talk more about that. But it's been really, really helpful for me to meditate, man, just to sit. And, it's, and meditation is not a clearing of your mind. You clear your thought. No, it's not a clearing. It's, it's becoming aware of your mind. It's as if you can watch yourself doing something. So I've become more aware of my thoughts. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, is faith, man. A very light faith. Uh, not a heavy faith. Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And in many ways, faith 
was a cause, ironically, if I could say it this way, was a cause of depression because of all the questions I had surrounding it and burdens and and yokes and uh, legalism that other Christians had put on me. And as I let those things go and became more light in my travel with my faith, um, that faith was much more useful to me. It, it, It was a beautiful thing to realize in a more tangible way that, you know, Jesus, he sympathizes with us, with every temptation. And to be depressed is a temptation. It, it can turn into an actual thing that you fall into, but you can be tempted to be depressed. And again, that's where mindfulness comes in as well, of realizing when you're tempted to be depressed. Sometimes we fall into temptation. We don't even realize the temptation that ever came. We just in it now. Like, what the heck just happened? So becoming mindful of the temptation itself, what is tempting you? And 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 Jesus was tempted in every way. And he was tempted into hopelessness. God, why have you forsaken me? God, why do I feel like an afterthought to you? I'm tempted to feel like you are shunning me. And so to know that we have someone who is an advocate for us and also someone who's not trying to blow out the little flame of faith that we have. I read somewhere in Isaiah that when it speaks about Jesus in in a prophetic way, you know, it says that uh, a lightly burning wick, he will not quench. Uh, He will not blow out. Uh, I forget the specific wording. Now I have to go look it up. Uh, I used to quote it all the time, man, I need to start quoting that thing again. But just this idea of like, if you have a little flame of faith on a little candle, imagine a little birthday candle and you're like trying to run around with a little cupcake with a birthday candle on it. And you're, you're running through life, walking through life and you're trying to keep your hand over it to keep, you know, the wind from blowing it out. Jesus is not the one who's going to come around trying to blow it out while you're trying to keep it. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I don't have a forest fire. I got this little birthday candle of faith. Jesus does not have a position of wanting to like, oh, that's all you got is a little birthday candle? (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) That's not his position. He's there to protect that little flame as well and to not just, not simply blow it out, but actually fan it, that it will grow bigger, to add fuel to it, to give it logs of wood and, 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 and gas whatever it may be, to make that little flicker a flame, a a fire. So that has been definitely helpful to me as well in traveling through that. that I have someone who sympathizes with me, who's not against me, even when I may not feel like my depression is, you know, validated or, or that it somehow repels him from me, like he's somehow not cool with me now because of this mindset that I'm in. He doesn't want me to stay in that mindset. Uh, I believe that God wants us to be joyful no matter our circumstances, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, he sympathizes with us. Last question, my guy. Yeah. Last year was a fire. Now your goal yeah, man. 2018 was a fire. Part of 2019 as well was a refining period, man, of learning who God is, 
again and learning who I am again. And, you know, it felt like like fire, bro. It burned. You know, in order to get pure gold, man, you got to purify that thing. You got to get all the impurities out and you got to get rid of the things, the particles, whatever it may be, like to to refine it, to make it more pure. You know, Job says, you know, after God has tested him and he um, he emerges as pure gold. And that's how I felt like I felt I was in the testing period, in the trial period. And and uh, it burned, man. And so much beauty has come from that. So much resolve, so much joy, man, like real, real joy and wisdom and patience and perseverance and motivation and love for other people and love for God and in awe of God. Like all of that has come from the fire, bro. And. I think that's a good way to see it. Like it's purified. Yeah. You may have had motivation before you may have had joy before you may have had happiness before you may have had love for God and love for people before, but there was impurities in it. You know, I'm not, not to say that I'm perfect now. I'm not suggesting that, but just for the sake of argument, right? Like you may have had any of that before, You may have had joy, love, peace, and patience, kindness, and gentleness, and faithfulness. You may have had all those things, right? But the fire made it even more pure. This love that I have is more pure. It's becoming more pure, man. This joy I have is more pure, more simple. So, yeah, man. Last year was a fire. Now I'm gold. Well, that wraps it up for episode three of season one of the Flights and Feelings podcast. Thank y'all so much for listening. Again, man, this podcast has been doing numbers, dog. Like, it's amazing how we keep making it to quite a few different charts in the U.S. It's big and, man, Africa, stand up. Y'all been supporting Malawi, uh, 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 Zambia, South Africa. We've been number one podcast overall in South Africa a couple of times so far since this has been out. Like, it's just amazing, man. So thank y'all for for listening. One thing that I want to add now, we've been doing this thing on every you know beginning of the week, and I thought it would be dope as I want to keep the momentum going. People are really, really enjoying the the podcast. I want to add a second episode during the week each week, and we're going to call it a layover, man. That was ironically that was going to be the name of this podcast. I was going to call it layover. Um, but I felt like flights and feelings was a little better, but we're going to add this as a, as a part of flights and feelings. So what we'll do is once a week, either on Thursday or Friday, I'm not sure somewhere sometime during later on the week, I'll release a shorter podcast, uh, that's less edited, right? So it's just something to hold you over until the big podcast comes out at the beginning of the week. So y'all did that, man. Y'all really Y'all show the enthusiasm for this podcast so much that it's like making me think like, all right, they want the content. Let's put it out, man. So let's do it. So thank y'all so much. You could be going anywhere in the world with anybody else, but you're right here. So thank you for choosing the Flights and Feelings podcast. Remember, always fly home. Walk around like I'm
them go. And the gold look good on you. The glow look good on you. And the gold look good on you. The glow look good on you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 